0: The Parsha is kidoshim which, by the way, it's interesting, some people are probably familiar with this, that in Israel, they have a different Parsha. They're one ahead. Why are they ahead in Israel? Because the last day of Pesach for us was not Pesach for them. It was Shabbos for them. Therefore, they read ahead and we're not, we'll, be, we'll be separated for a good 13, 14 weeks. Separate Parsha. My son, who got on a plane, um, Mose Shabbos and is in Israel. He landed in Israel today, or this morning. And he, so, uh, so now he's missed the parasha. Because he, he heard Achary Mos, and then in Israel they read Kedoshim less Shabbos. And now when it gets next Shabbos, he will be at Emor. So I said to him, so you, uh, see, you know, you, I think you're going to you should go catch a minion, like a, what's <laughs> called a Chutzla arts minion, where they can, where they read. The whole parsha of Kidoshim and one Aliyah and then you'll you know, you'll then they get into Emwar and you do it that way. So my son said to me I said, Abba I'm not sure if I had to do that because because in fact he's right. There's a whole question in halacha whether or not the obligation to hear Kriya Torah is an individual obligation or is it a communal obligation? If it's an individual obligation, so I have to do it the communal obligation so I I did what I could as a community in Chutzlar outside of Israel now I'm going to Israel so definitely in terms of Shnai and Mikra which is the concept of going over twice uh, the Torah and then to read the translation that he is obligated but in terms of of hearing it again in the shul that's an interesting question in halacha and uh, it gives me a lot of nachas when my son once again proves me wrong which seems to be happening more and more often, um, but, uh, but, the, but, but it's but it's interesting phenomena. So if you are confused, that some people might get like divrei Torah sheets from Israel, right? Uh, you know, some people get emails of different things, and, and they're going to be telling you the parsha of the week is Emor, and and you're going to get from here the parsha is Kedoshim. Um, it's not because uh, you're confused. You might be confused, mm-hmm. but that might be for a different reason. <laughs> but it's simply because there are two different parashas that are being read um, m- uh, by the two different communities. Now, uh, so, but we're going to go, because we are living in Los Angeles, we're going to go with what we're reading in the in, in Chutz LaRata outside of Israel. we're going to read, we're going to learn a very famous uh, verse in the Torah. Parsha's Kedoshim, has a lot of famous Torah. The end of Kedoshim is dealing with the, uh, the laws of, uh, of inappropriate relations. Um, the beginning of the parasha of Kedoshim talks about what appears to be like a random selection of halachos, many of which are focused on between one Jew and the other, and um, the parsha of chapter nineteen, verse 19, uh, chapter nineteen of of um, kadoshim, it has some of the most famous verses in the Torah, and the, the verse that we're going to learn, arguably is the most famous, or is amongst the most famous verses of the Torah. You'll see in a moment what it is, although you probably can figure it out. Um, and it's interesting. We've in previous years we've discussed this. In chapter 19 as well, the rabbis tell us that even though it doesn't say it explicitly, but there are analogs, there are, there are analogous laws to the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments can be found in chapter 19, but in different ways. So it doesn't say, for example, it doesn't say lo uh, tignov, but it does say lo tigzol, which is an some, same type of stealing. It doesn't say honor your par- parents, but it says fear your parents. It doesn't say um, you should. You should. It doesn't say uh, remember the Shabbos. It says Shabbosai tishmoru. It says you should. Uh, it says you should guard my Shabbos. So you, it doesn't say don't have any other gods, but it does say don't turn to other idols. So all of them are here. So it's interesting to make this point that even though they're all here but they're here in a different way they're here in a different way because sometimes you know you have the formula but between the formula and how to how to implement implement the formula between the the, the uh, abstract concept and the and the actual execution there's a lot that needs to be um uh, filled in. And therefore, the Medrish tells us that this is sort of like the implementation of the Ten Commandments. This is sort of like not just in theory, but also also in practice. With that introduction, I'd like to learn with you um, two verses, but really focus on one phrase of the two verses. So, chapter 19, verse 17, um, page 660 in the Art Scroll, the Torah says, Lo, Tisna es achicha bilva vecha. Do not hate your brother in your heart. Um, you also shouldn't hate him, uh, outside of your heart. Externally, you shouldn't hate him, period. But even, even internally. Hocheach tochiach es amitecha. And you should give rebuke to your fellow Jew when he's doing something wrong. And one explanation of this line is, and do not, because of him, uh, do not bear any sin. Because if you don't give him rebuke, then you are considered to be a partner in the crime on some level. That's one explanation. Rashi has a different explanation. Rashi says, do not embarrass him. When you give him rebuke, do not embarrass him. Because we know that, it's not uh, giving somebody proper musr, Critique is a tremendous art, right? Uh, very often, when you are giving somebody um, criticism, uh, then your act of criticism uh, requires rebuke. Um, we know that that's a you know that's a person has to has to know how to, know how to give tohacha. And in fact, Rabbi Yochanan in the Gemara tells us. That in our generation, he's speaking of Yochanan with an Amora. Talmudic stage, he says, In our generation, nobody knows how to give rebuke. So, if in his generation nobody knows how to give rebuke, one could somewhat confidently say that in our generation, certainly nobody knows how to give rebuke, although many people still don't seem to be deterred by that Talmudic statement and they <laughs> offer rebuke um, freely. Um, so, so, that's the first verse. And the second one is, Lo Tikom. Below Titar Espine Amecha. Do not take revenge, do not bear a grudge against the members of your nation. Translated here, members of your people. You should love your fellow or your neighbor as yourself. I am Hashem. Okay, that's the that's the verse. That's the verse of Twin. I assume that some of you have you all have heard of this verse. And um we're going, focus, we're going to focus on it, but I just want to. The reason why I, I wanted to, to focus on it in the context of the of the pasuk um, is just to to point out um, to point out the progression and to point out a question or two. So first of all, what's the progression? Do not um, do not bear a grudge. Do not seek revenge. And then, rather, What's that, uh, what do you say, what's the connection between those ideas? Do not bear a grudge. Do not seek revenge, not bear a grudge. Love your neighbor like yourself. I am Hashem. What do you think? What's the, what's the connection between these ideas? Please feel free to respond. Wow, I stumped everybody. Amazing, Okay. Do not seek revenge. Do not bear a grudge. What do you say? What do you say, Golden? Oh, Amanda, what do you say? Okay. So what's okay? Great. I agree. We're we're we good. with that. But what's the? Don't judge anyone. Don't judge anyone. So so therefore, do not seek revenge. Do not bear a grudge. Love your neighbor like yourself. So what's the? Uh, how does it? How does it line up? You get closer to that it. So, what, what about the first two parts of the uh, verse? How do, how do you connect with this? Because ostensibly, there are three parts to the verse, right? Do not seek revenge. Do not bear a grudge. Right? Seeking revenge is, you know, you didn't, you didn't lend me this item. I, will, I won't lend it to you either, right? That's seeking revenge. Bearing a grudge, according to Hazal, is as follows. Even though you didn't, right? I'm remembering that you didn't. but I'm going to do it anyway. I'm I'm st- I'm going to be a better person than you. I'm going to hold on to the grudge. But okay, I'm still going to lend you the item. But I'm still going to lend you the item, but I'm but I'm holding on to it. I'm still holding on to the toxicity. And then love your neighbor like yourself. I am a chef. What do you? Well, talk? there's a certain sense of forgiveness. I mean, you you indulge yourself, you forgive yourself, you say, well, yeah. I, it, you know, in, in your own internal conversation, I think you just forgiveness. Is what I'm saying. What ties it together is just forgiveness. Forgiveness. If you don't seek revenge and you don't bear a grudge, then you will be able to love your neighbor like yourself.
1: I'm a, thinking.
0: is that what you're saying? That so if A... If you can forgive, you can, for, you can forgive. Yeah, if you are able, right, That uh, we'll get to you one second. If you're able to do A and B, I think it could be that people were saying that, if you ever do A and B, then what? Then if somebody may get some more chairs, then what? Then, yeah, oh. then you will be able to love your neighbor like yourself. I think that's what you're saying, right? That's not what I was okay, but, but, I but now we're going to make it. What what okay, what do you say, Len? bias <coughs> So there's a, a functional goal of luck, that you, you should be treating the people with respect within your household, but then you extend it beyond that family. Um, Component to like either the whole world or the nation. All of you want to so, which one is the nation? That's the first part, right? So, the i oh, I'm wearing this thing. <laughs> so that. So, the. So the uh, that's my. Uh, this is my new toy. Right, this is a retractable Bluetooth headphones. It's, a, it's my rabbinic stethoscope, you know? Like, like this, and it goes like The like whole thing going on there. Yeah. Anyway, it's very Kida'i for those who are. Uh, those who are uh, what's the word are connected very deeply to their phones. So at least this way, <laughs> severs the tie a little bit. Yeah. Anyway, what we get, so go on. What were we saying? Yeah. But the but the verse starts off with saying your nation, and then it goes closer, yes, right? We often look in, in greater society and then don't reflect on ourselves. In other words, what is it called? Uh, uh, think about glass mirrors and glass houses people people find it very easy to confront someone else but when they see their own mistakes when they look back at themselves it's a lot tougher to deal with so it's sometimes
1: so it's going the from general, the big
0: picture and then, and then to the smaller right. okay very nice I'll take one more idea one more idea what do you say Goldie you your hand up no fine you know in auctions you can get a lot of trouble you can put your hand up you just, uh, you just bought the, you you just bought the buildings, okay, fine. So um, okay, Rebosa. So, so that's a, that's a that's a you know what's the connection? I think we can say that the person is able to not first focus on the negatives, right? Get rid of the negative feelings. Then they can there are no mechitzas. There's no there's no toxicity. I'm not holding on to the poison. So then I can feel love to you, right? That's the first step: is get rid of the walls. Right? Get rid of the walls. Okay, that's the Lecha'orah, what's going on here. Um, I, have a, I want to ask a question. If Hutner asked this question. If Huttner was the great Rosh Hashem, he, he asked a very interesting question. He says, if you look at verse 17, you will see that the Torah tells us that you should not lo tisna et achicha. You should not hate your brother. You shouldn't hate your brother. And then at the end of verse 18... The Torah says, you should love your, you should love your fellow Jew, neighbor, whatever the translation is, right? So Rabbi Hudner asks, why does the Torah use, it's a beautiful question, why does the Torah use two different terms, right, for a fellow Jew? Really, we could even ask it stronger, but we're not going to... Answer it. So I'm not going to ask it. At least I'll, I'll just bring it to your attention. There are three terms used for a fellow Jew here. What do I mean by that? There are three terms used. Look in verse 17. It's lotisna et achicha. That's one term, a, a brother, right? Es that's another term for a Jew, right? You're a fellow Jew. And then um, verse 18 the Torah says, B'nei Amecha, people in your nation, it's really a third term, and then, V'hafta that's a fourth term. So, four terms used for fellow Jews. So, we can really ask, why? We why. There's a whole sheer on that, right? Achicha, Mitecha, R'echa, B'nei Amecha. what's the difference between these four? But, but I just want to ask the, the first and the last. Because really, in some ways, they're connected. Don't hate your fellow Jew, but it says, Lo Tisna Et Achicha, don't hate him. Right? In a certain sense, and I don't mean to get any too literary on I mean, you, it's like a chiastic structure. You have AB, chiastic structure. You haven't learned this stuff in English? Okay, it's the only fancy term I right know. A-B-B-A. A-B-B-A. In other words, because the beginning of the first verse is, do not hate, um, right? Do not hate your brother. And then it gives you the positive, so that's like, um, and then in, in ver- the next verse, the Torah actually, actually, A B A B. Then it says, "Lo t'kam lo they're also the negative, and "Vehafte recha kamocha." ni Hashem, right? Love your neighbor. I am Hashem. So, why does the Torah use the two terms, "Achicha" versus "Reecha"? Achicha. Somebody get this young lady. Achicha versus Reecha. Nobility, nobility, and chivalry is not dead. It's just in critical condition, <laughs> but it's not dead. <laughs> Fine. So, so the, uh, so, um, that's okay. That's one question. I'd like to So, question one is, achicha versus reyecha. Achicha versus reyecha. Okay. Question two, to bring to your attention, um, is the following. Question two is that. Um, just as an aside, it's an important aside. Um, can I have that sitter for a second? In Shir Hashirim, in Shir Hashirim Song of Songs, um, we are told there are four terms used for the Jewish people in <clears throat> Shir Hashirim chapter 5 verse 2. Just to remind you, Shir Hashirim is, about, is the love song between Hashem and the Jewish people. That's the simple way of understanding. The love song of Hashem, the Jewish people. So in Shira Shirim, in chapter 5, verse 2, chapter 5, verse 2, um, the man, who is Hashem, right? The man, he's known as the Dodd, he wants, to, he wants that, the, that the woman should open the door. So the man says, do you remember what he said? The man says, Lee, please open up the door for me. Akhosi, my sister. Rayosi, my friend. Yonasi, my dove. Tamasi, my beautiful one. My, my whole one. Piskili, akhosi, rayosi, yonasi, tamasi. Four terms. Oh, that's like... So it's a it's beautiful... It's, I hope you appreciate it. It's a, it's a beautiful literary... Shavishin is a beautiful literary work, right? My sister, my dove, my beloved, my fair one. So it's interesting. Rav Huttner points out that the Torah uses it... So th- there are four terms used for the Jewish people. These are, these are terms that are used for the Jewish people. Right? The Jews are called the dove. Yona, a dove. It's called a dove several times. Jewish people are called beloved. They're called the sister of God. The sister of God. They're called the tamasi, the fair one. But as we'll see in... A, so, so which term do we use in, in the Torah in the, for this very important expression? We use the term reya, which is the male term for raya. Raya is the male and Raya is female, but it's the same terminology. So why do we use Raya and not Ach? Why not Rahafta la Kamocha? Kamucha? Why is that the term? It's a beautiful question that Ravutra asked. That's question number one. Question. Yeah, sorry? Raya means male, and Raya means female, but it means friend. Friend. In the context in Shira Shirim, Song of Songs, is where the male says to the woman, so they're, they're, they're lovers, the and now says, open up the door, and he gives these four terminologies. Okay. Now, I want to, um, I want to, um, get a little bit deeper, into Vahapel Recha Kamoha. So, Rashi says, Rashi says, Amar Rabbi Akiva, ze Klal Gadol V'torah. Rabbi Akiva says, this is the great principle of the Torah. Ze Klal Gadol V'torah, now, if I were to tell you that, there, that there's like, you know, like, you know um, those of us that look back at their math days with fear and trepidation, I apologize, but you might remember these, you know, these famous mnemonics. Somebody might remember Sokotoa, do you remember Sokotoa, right? It brings you back to the geometry days, the quadratic formula which I don't even remember anymore, but there's a the whole square root, this, I don't know exactly the whole thing anymore, right? Or a squared plus b, like, there are formulas, there are principles, right? You can solve equations with principles. So if I were to say to you, this is the way, this is the quadratic formula, this is how you solve, right, you know, your equations. So let's say you say to the guy, look, you know, does this work all the time? he goes, well, actually it works 50% of the time. You know, you try it out, and I'm not going to tell you, but 50% of the time it's going to work. So that's not, what, we wouldn't call it a formula. We would call that like a half formula, right? We wouldn't call that, that's not really a rule, that's like a half rule. It's like, it doesn't, you have to, a rule, a principle means, it's all-encompassing. So if you were to tell me, zek Minha gadol min torah ze gadol of chilek of the Torah, I would buy it. But, the Rabbi Akiva says, This is the big rule of the whole Torah. Which sort of implies, that, more than sort of implies, that this rule, in this rule, can be encompassed all of Torah living. What's the obvious question on this? No. If I were to ask you loosely to break up Torah into two genres, two categories, what would you say? No. No. between man and man and 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 between man and God so which one does this fit into love your neighbor like yourself right this is man and man so that doesn't seem to be correct right it seems to be that this is the big rule of half the Torah not the whole Torah this is the half rule but he says that by the way as an interesting aside and I'm just going to this aside will take me about three minutes there's a very famous question that we've asked in previous years and that is, were in the time of the period known as the Omer. The Omer, right? And the Omer used to be a very happy time but now it has a certain mourning connotation. And the reason for the mourning connotation is because the students of Rabbi Akiva died during this period of time. 24,000 students of Rabbi Akiva died as the Gemara tells us in Yavamos. So, why did they die? Because they didn't treat each other with honor. So, one of the big questions that everybody asks is, Rabbi Akiva is the one that says, Right? This is the big rule of the Torah. How could it be that his students were so off the mark? Right? You hear that question? Right? In, in previous years, we've given a we, whole sheer on the topic. One of the interesting answers that people give is this is after the fact. Rekiva says after he learned the lesson. He learned the lesson. Learned the lesson. That's what Tzoggy said. It's, it's not a good answer. I don't like that answer so much. So, so, but here's an interesting answer that I just heard today. First time, I think, in my life I heard this answer. Now, how to make, I come a kamoch again? The question is, it's an aside. Rabbi Akiva is the, the great... Expo- Rashi says, Rabbi Akiva, k'lau Rashi, for some reason, we're not going to answer now, felt the need to tell us, Rabbi Akiva said, this is the great rule of the Torah. This is the great rule of the Torah. So so how could it be his students were so far off? And by the way, is it possible that in other... Yesh- I mean, all other... No other yeshivas... Do they ever have any strife? The only yeshiva that, that people didn't get along was Rabbi Akiva's yeshiva? How could it be? I mean, yeshivas, you have, you have a bunch of guys in close proximity and they're in the dorms and they're eating the same food. I mean, at some point, they're going to yell at each other, right? So how could it be, right? So I heard that Rabbi Isaac Bernstein that said a beautiful answer. And this is just a side thought, but it'll bring us back to the concept. Listen carefully. You know, the Gemara tells us in Psachem and in Babakama, an amazing Gemara. There was a man by the name of Rabbi Shimon HaAmsoni. Rabbi Shimon HaAmsoni had a rule. His rule was that whenever the Torah uses the word s "et," for example, the Torah says, <laughs> You should honor et your father and et your mother. The word et is really untranslatable. It is a word in the Torah that precedes a direct object. So whenever it says the word et in the Torah, Rabbi Shimon HaAmsoni had a rule. The rule was it must be coming to expand it's coming to expand what it immediately precedes. Yes. So therefore, when it says, you should honor et imecha, it doesn't just mean your mother, but it also means your stepmother, your, hus- your father's wife. Not only your biological mother, <coughs> but even your father's <coughs> wife, your stepmother. Or, es avicha, something that my brother often shared with me, es avicha means an obligation to honor your older brother avicha. This comes to include your older brother. S avicha, not just your father, but it expands the category. So Rabbi Shimon HaMasoni went through all of the Torah, amazing, and he went through Brachas and Shmos and Byikra and and he found for each one how S expands the category until he got to a verse in the parashat Ekev in the Divarim, and in Divarim it says Et Hashem Elokecha Tira. Et Hashem which means what? Anybody know what that means? Hashem, your God, you should fear. Et Hashem, your God, you should fear. So Rabbi, Rabbi Shimon Ham, so said, the, the, the jig's up. He said, what, what's there, How is there anybody else to fear but God? No. God is the only entity, only entity that's worthy of fearing. So, et Hashem there's nothing else. I must have made a mistake. Oops. <coughs> So he went back and he retracted all of his previous expositions of his derivations. His hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of <coughs> derivations. He retracted them all. Until Rabbi Akiva came and he said, No, hold on. Hold on, I'm with you. Es Hashem Elokech means what? It means, it comes to include a Talmud Chacham, a Torah scholar. A Torah scholar deserves to be feared on par with God. Es Hashem Elokech you must give a Torah scholar the reverence and the fear and the awe. A real Torah scholar, not myself, a real Torah scholar, you must give a real Torah scholar the proper reverence, right, like God. So, so, a real... Shalom mm-hmm. El Zaman Orbach, Rabbi great, great Torah scholars, great people. And also, even less than that, but, but great. So, so, So Rabbi Bernstein said an amazing thing. He said, listen to this. So Rabbi Akiva was the Rebbe. Rabbi Akiva was the (coughs) Rebbe. He taught his students this rule. What was the rule he taught them? That you have to, you can't, it's not just that you have to give like, you know, a little bit of respect. Rabbi Akiva taught his students that the amount of fear that they have to have for a Torah scholar has to be on par with what? With the fear that one has to have of almost, of God. You have to have that reverence, you know. I don't know if any of you ever been to a room, in a room with a really great Torah scholar. It's scary. Especially if they're, they're a because you, like, you think they can, like, they can see what what's really, you're thinking, and that's really bad, right? You know, like, that's the worst, right? It's like, you try to, like, you know, cover You wear sunglasses, and you try to cover You're like, I've seen people do it. I know, I know. Okay. Like, you know, you don't like, you want to look at him, you know. So, because he's, okay. Anyway, so the, some people, so, so, Sorry, Bernstein said an amazing thing. He said, maybe that's why Rebbe Kiva's students were held to a higher standard, because the Rebbe required more of them. For everybody else, the obligation of honoring another Torah scholar was an obligation to honor a great person. That's one level. Akiva required a higher level. The students weren't able to get to that higher level. Other Rabbein didn't require the same level. Since they didn't require the same level, therefore they weren't held accountable. Rabbi Akiva raised the bar very high. Because the Akiva felt that the amount of Torah of, of respect the no one has to have for a, a Tamil chakam, which means among each other, was so high, so they couldn't reach that level. That's what he suggested as a possibility. Very interesting idea, which I'm not going to develop anymore. Just wanted to bring to your attention. But now listen to this. So let's go back to our question. Second question is, Zeklao Gadolba Torah? This is the rule of the Torah? It seems to me it's only the rule for half the Torah. Because it's only between man and man. It's not between, it's not between not between man and God. How does this fit? Second question. Third question. I'd like to go into with you. It's as follows. The end of the verse. The end of the verse. the le'mecha kamocha... Ani Hashem, Ani Hashem. What's that doing here? Ani Hashem, I am God. What is it? what is what's vahaterecha kamocha? Just uh, you have to love your neighbor like yourself. What's I am God doing there? So in previous years, we brought a beautiful medrash where the, I'm not going to give you the whole story of the medrash, but the medrash says if you love a Jew like you love yourself, God said, I'll be your third friend. If you are able to find in your heart the ability to love another Jew, like yourself, I want to be your friend also. Ani Hashem, I am God, is the reward for somebody that's able to get to that level. Okay? But I, just, I still want to ask that question. What's the Ani Hashem doing there? Question number four. <clears throat> question number four. The Torah here says... The hafta li re'acha kamocha, li but you know sometimes the Torah doesn't use the word li. Sometimes the Torah will say, for example, the hafta et Hashem Those who are into Hebrew a little bit, the hafta li means what? You should love four, lit or two, but the hafta et et right. there's no Lamed there, so it's so it's more of a it's more of a direct object. you should love et Hashem. Love God. Right. Or it says, et You should love the convert. The Torah says, You should love the convert. convert. Thirty six times the Torah tells us that you have to be very careful with the convert. So, question What's the Lamed doing here? Again, Lamed usually means Le is the concept of either of or for. Um, sometimes it means to, right? But, but more simply, just say, I know that's a dicta question, therefore people usually yawn when we get to those questions. And question number five, and then we will, we'll try to put it together, is the big question, the biggest question of all. And that is, it just seems impossible. It just seems impossible. You want me to love another Jew like myself? Come on. Let's be real. How can I love another Jew like myself, you know? I mean I'm gonna I'm gonna since we're among friends, I'm gonna share a secret. You know how Jews keep secrets, they tell one person at a time, I've share that with you many times. Right? So uh, so um One of, you know, because, you know, one of the few things that rabbis enjoy are ties. Are what? Ties. 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 So you know, how often, you know, what, how, how, did, how does a rabbi express his individuality? think like his shirt? Well, it's the white shirt, right? The yarmulke, it's pretty much, you know, it's black, you know? The hair? Can't dye it. You know, although, you know, what am I going to do? Well, how, you know... So the the, the 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 suit. So either it's black or it's dark black or it's gray or it's dark gray. You, it, you know, so the tie, the tie. You know, so uh, so. Um, I love my children, Baruch Hashem. So um, so so my my um, so one of my Talmudim bought me four ties before Pesach only four ties. <laughs> ties at a store that I would not <clears throat> buy ties for myself. It wasn't from Ross and Marshall's. It was from Macy's and from somewhere like that, you know? But real ties. The ones, you know, that, that I'm not going to say, say Donald Trump in the back and I don't want really mention that, you know? but you know, the real ties. So, uh, so uh, I noticed that one of my sons is eyeing one of the ties. Mm. So, oh no, this is, God, God, this is such a test. This is a Kedas tie. His mom it's like, I want to like, give up my tie for my son. You know, like you know. So, so, uh, so, so I did. So I did. I, I gave, I gave up my, I gave one, a, I gave a tie to my son. Now, now it's right. Then it's mostly shabbos going back now a, a, a day and a half. And there's another. Time. I have three ties left. Three ties left. So there's. I know there's one other tie that I know he likes. Should I? Shouldn't I? Should I? Shouldn't I? Okay, I'm going to do it. It's going to be hard, but I know in the, I know God will love me. I know that's going to be like it. So I bring, mostly Shabbos, I bring him the tie. <laughs> he looks at me and goes, Albert, oh, thank you very much. I don't really like that tie. Yeah. <laughs> he says, great. <laughs> great. <laughs> I'm so happy that. But I like that tie. But then I actually asked him, but you told that other guy that you like the tie. So he said, "Listen, no, about it. yeah, <laughs> I said, but "I only said I want the time because you liked it." Okay, whatever. But look, even your children, you know, even like, people have. their things mm-hmm. they have their things. You know, even if you want to give them everything, but you can have everything, but just this is the one thing you can't have, right? <laughs> this is my rabbi said that you can't have this. You get every but this. I mean, what exactly? You know, how far? So Taka the Ramban. The Ramban, and it's not just the Ramban. The Ramban and many of the other commentaries in a certain sense limit the haftalarecha kamocha to actions, to actions and a little bit emotion. I want to explain to you, read to you what the Ramban says. The Ramban says, and for those people who who are as, you know, challenged as I am in this area, um, this Ramban is a little bit, gives us a little bit of hope. The Ramban says, The Torah is exaggerating. It's a little bit, it's, 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 the Torah is giving you a big, it's a little bit beyond it's not possible for a person to love somebody else as much as he loves himself it's impossible and by the way this is the very same Rabbi Akiva who says this is the big rule of the Torah Rabbi Akiva tells us if you have one canteen you know the rule one canteen in the desert one Macy's tie one canteen right in the desert right so who goes first? no, you know the rule who goes first? You don't, give the, you don't give away the canteen. You keep it yourself. Chayach HaKomen. So it, the same Rabbi Akiva who says it's a big rule in the Torah. So, so even he says your life comes first. So what's the mitzvah? So this will answer whether will, we had five questions. I usually review the questions. I don't have time to do that now. This will answer the fourth question, which is the Lamed question. So, Ela, mitzvah's haTorah sheye'ehav chaveiroh the mitzvah of the Torah is to love your friend bechol inyan in every way k'asher et nafsho bechol hatov. It doesn't mean that internally I have to feel that I love him as much as I love myself. No. But I should love, listen carefully, I should love for my friend I should be happy. I should revel in his success. I should be happy when he achieves good. I should want him to get good. I should not feel... I shouldn't feel bad if he's doing well. But you know that terrible joke? It's such a bad story about the two enemies and somebody goes over... The king goes to one guy and he says, Listen, you're, I'm going to give you whatever you want. I'll give you. But you know your fellow... That fellow guy, that fellow, your, en- your fellow enemy, I'm going to give him double. Whatever you want. This is a real moral dilemma, right? So he thinks of himself and he goes, blind me in one eye. Right? So that's, uh, that's, that's terrible. right? But aren't there people who do that? They'll go, they'll go after somebody else, even if it causes them tremendous pain and suffering. If you don't believe me, go to divorce court. That's the classic manifestation of this hatred run amok. So comes comes to the, comes to Ramban and he says maybe that's why the Torah says li reyacha you should love for your friend what you want for yourself. And the Torah doesn't say vahafta et reyacha kamocha you hear the difference? Vahafta et reyacha, means an internal feeling. An internal feeling. The Torah didn't say that. And the Torah therefore says, the Torah says, <laughs> There are times that I will, listen, I don't mind if my friend has osher, if he has wealth, but I, below b'chachma, but I don't want him to have wisdom. <laughs> or if I say, you "No, know, he can have wealth and he can have wisdom. Right? He can have honor, kavod, das, chachma, as long as he doesn't have as much as I have. He can have a lot of kavod, as long as he has has a little bit less than me. He can have a lot of wisdom, as long as he has a little bit less than me. He can have a lot of money, as long as he has a little bit less than me. The Torah is telling us that there are many people who are... They're happy that somebody else is successful, as long as they're not as successful as you. That's what the Torah is saying. Don't go there. Don't be in that low place. Don't go to that low No. If your friend has what you have, you should be happy. He has as much money as you, has more money than you, has a bigger house than you, bigger car, better car. That's all right. He should be happy that his friend has good stuff. And he shouldn't put a limitation on his ava. Why does the Torah say to Because the Torah is telling us at least in the outward manifestation. In other words, the Torah is not saying that you have to internally love your fellow Jew like yourself. That's impossible. But the Torah is telling us I should be happy with his success. I should revel. I should feel good about his success as much as I, as much as I want for me. I want for him. I can at least be happy. Not that I have to love him as much as me. But at least I could, you know, with that bad that expression that's in the world and I don't like it but it's used a lot fake it till you make it, right? I can, I can, I can really, I can, I can be happy if he's, if he's successful. And he can be more successful than me. That, but that's not an internal love. Now it comes up of Jakub Kamenetsky and he says an amazing point. Listen to this amazing point. Amazing point. He says that if this is the case, he doesn't cite the Ramban, but, but it's really the same idea. And by the way, the Ramban doesn't Make the, the Ramban doesn't say this, but the, 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 the idea of the Ramban is also echoed in the Svarno. The Svarno says, <laughs> You should once for your friend, <laughs> if you would be in his place. So the Torah is saying, Once <laughs> for him. But here's an amazing point, says Yadam Kamenetsky. The Rambam tells us there are two separate mitzvahs. The Rambam in chapter 6, the laws of Deos in Halacha number 3 and Halacha number 4. The Rambam says there's a mitzvah to love another Jew and there's a mitzvah to love the convert. And there are two separate mitzvahs. There are two separate mitzvahs. And Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetzky asks, Why? Why should there be two separate mitzvahs? To love the convert and love another Jew. A convert is another Jew. And the way I have to love another Jew is pretty inclusive. So if a convert is another Jew, why should there be a special mission to love the convert? Good question. Are you follow the question? You with me? If the convert is another Jew, and he is, and she is, so then why should there be a special obligation to love the convert? There's an obligation to love the Jew. And a convert a Jew. So if Yaakov says, it could be that the difference is exactly that. When the Torah uses the term v'ahavta l'reacha kamocha, for another Jew, the Torah's obligation is more minimal. Listen to this amazing point. When I have to love another Jew, so I have to want for them what I want for myself. I have to be be happy with their success. But the Torah doesn't say v'ahavta liger." You know what the Torah says? V'ahavta, Like, V'ahavta, es Hashem And the Maobim explains, the Malbim explains, when the Torah uses the S versus the Lamid, the Torah is saying it has to be an internal love. The love that a Jew has to have for a convert is greater than the love that a Jew has to have for another Jew. And why is that? should knew why is that? What do you think? Because another Jew didn't change his whole world in his whole life to come close to God. Another Jew did a lot of things and he and he pulled himself and he and, and, he, and he had to be the to continue the tradition and it's not easy to be a Jew you know, it, it's hard to choose between Mexico and Ditmis and PKD and Shilohs and milk and honey, oh that's a blessed memory Milky Way, whatever it is it's, it's a very, ch- no, obviously I'm being a little facetious it's not so simple to be a Jew as we know it's hard to be a Jew but it's, not, but it's beautiful to be a Jew but the converts totally changed his or her world the Torah says you have to love the convert more. That's what Rabbi Yaakov says. What a huge Kiddish! What an unbelievable idea! Not Vahafta Liger, but to Esager. Just like the Torah says Es Hashem El Kecha, you have to love Hashem, so too to Eshager. Amazing! Amazing! What do you say? Isn't it the same about, like, about Shuvah too, though? Or? Oh, so you could say, based on this concept of Vahafta maybe about Shuvah also. I don't think that it would be technically the same thing because the Shuba has those roots. Yes. Just it, but, but, it, but on some I level, on a, on, a, on a philosophical level, one could definitely extrapolate. But not, for, not on a technical yeah, level. That's I an amazing point. Yeah, yeah. That's an amazing point that Yad Khameneci wants to say based on this one, but... So, so but let's, let's go back to the, to the core question, which is, how do you do it? So the Ramban told us the way you have to do it is not as hard as you think because it doesn't require the same amount. But we're going to try to give a different a Mahalik, And then also the question of how could it be the principle of the whole Torah? And then also the question of and then also the question of Re'acha versus Achicha. We still haven't addressed those questions. So I want to share with you a kli amazing comment of the kli And And um, <coughs> a beautiful a beautiful insight um, based on a story that i read recently so let me share with you first famous gemara you have all heard of this gemara maybe not the context of the gemara but you've heard of this gemara listen to this famous story hillel and shammai hillel and shammai so what happens the prospective convert there are three actually three stories in the gemara about a prospective convert that goes to shammai and then goes to Hillel. You know the stories, right? So let me just quickly get through this story. The Moira says that there was a particular convert um, that, says, said, to, that said, to, um, said to Shammai, he learned all about the, law, about the clothing of the Koen Gadol, and he says to Shammai, he says, um, co- convert me so that I should be a coin Gadol. Convert me on the condition that I will be a koin Gadol. So Shammai ran after him. Right? And he pushed him away. And Hillel converted him. Um, I don't want to go into the whole story. After he converted, he started looking. So now how do I become a calling God? Because we have to first read the laws. (laughs) So when he reads the laws, it says in the Torah, the non-calling that goes into the Holy of Holies shall die. So he says, "Who? Right? So he says, who's this referring to? The convert, he says, this is referring to even David, the king of Israel, even Dov and can't go into the can't go into the Kodesh Kardashian. So he so the, this convert said, if that's true for the Jew who is called the children of God, right? So how much more so for me who came from far away? And he just said, okay, but I'm still happy to be a Jew. So he remained a Jew, and then another another a prospective convert came to Hilo and he said, he said, convert me, Um, I'm sorry, he said, uh, uh, he said, convert me, even though I don't believe in the oral Torah. Um, Convert me on the condition that you'll teach me the written Torah. So Shammai said, get out of here. And Hillel said, no problem. He said, I'm happy to do it. I'll teach you just the written Torah and fine. So you you might know the story. These are the two less famous stories. So one day he says, okay, we have to start with the Alephes." So so he teaches him the Alephes. And he said, this is an alpha and this is a bays, and this is a gimbal, this is a Daoleth. And the next day, he says to them, this is a bays, and this is an alph, and this is a Daoleth, and this is a gimbal. He switches it around. He says, what are you doing? What are you doing to me? Like, it's hard enough to remember. He said, uh, he said to him, so why do you assume that this is an alpha and this is a bays and this is a base a Yeah, because that's what you taught me yesterday. He said, oh, you mean you relied on the oral tradition? <laughs> So that's why we have to rely on the Oral position. And he then converted completely. And then the third story, which is the most famous story, is what? Convert says, convert me, right, while I'm standing on one foot. And Shammai said, get out of here. And Hillel said, no problem. Hillel says, What? your friend doesn't like what you don't like, don't do to your friend. That's the main thing. And the rest of the Torah is commentary. Now that expression, what you don't like, don't do to your friend, is the negative formulation of right, of love your neighbor like yourself. In other words, if you love your neighbor like yourself, so then, just like you don't want an annoying sound, you know, to be when you want to go to sleep, clicking on the computer or various other annoying sounds. So you won't do that as well. And just like you won't chew gum loudly, you know, you don't like it when somebody chews gum loudly in your presence. Again, I'm just talking about my own things, right? So then you won't, you won't do it to that person, right? So it's a negative formulation, meaning it's the, it's, you know, of, of, of love your neighbor like yourself, and the end, and and uh, and that's the key. The rest go learn. And the Gemara tells us a very interesting conclusion that after many days, those three got together. Those three prospective converts. I guess there was some type of convert convention, right? <laughs> they all got together, and they said it was because of the humility of Hillel that we came close to the Shema. Very beautiful in Gemara. So, a question that Rashi really addresses, and the Kliyakar as well, he asks the question. Chiyakar was much after Rashi; he lived in the sixteen hundreds. The Kliyakar asks, but what is What does you mean on one foot? What does that mean on one foot? And what does it? He will say, when he, "This is the whole thing. This is the whole Torah. The rest go and learn. It's not the whole Torah. It's the half Torah." <laughs> It's the half Torah, right? Half the Torah. It's, it's the between man and man. It's not between man and God. What does he mean by that? So the Kliyaka says something very beautiful. Listen to what he says. He says, first of all, when this convert said, tell me the Torah on one foot, he didn't mean, he didn't mean, like, while wow, I'm standing on one foot. Um, what he meant was that, what he meant was that I need one Principle for all of the Torah. I need one principle for all of the Torah. Because you know the Torah is hard to remember. So give me one principle, and then I'll work it out. Give me the. So Shammai said, "This isn't. This is you know, the Torah is too complicated, too nuanced, too complex, too big, too broad. There's not one. Can't dumb it down. There's no Judaism for dummies, although there is now. I'm sure there, there is such a book, right? Right." <laughs> Right, so, uh, so so comes Hillel and he says love your neighbor like yourself. Love your neighbor like yourself. So said the Kliyakar says the Kliyakar but that's only half the Torah as we pointed out. So he says but if you look at the whole pasuk the reicha, kamocha no, finish it up for me. I have tokamoka finish up the verse for me. <laughs> Ani Hashem. So that's what Hillel told. Him. Hillel told him the whole verse, the whole end of the verse. "Love your neighbor like yourself. I am Hashem. And the I am Hashem is one half of the Torah." That's like. The concept that Gemara tells us in Makos, that Habakkuk took all of the Torah and he said it's all about emunah, emunah, so yichyeth, Makos 24a, that's, that's one piece of the Torah. And the other piece is, love your neighbor like yourself, whatever the negative formulation, and between the two, you got it all. So, and that's why, listen to this just for this alone, it was worth to come to the Shia. I know I'm boring, but for this alone, it was good night. Listen to what the Kliokah says. He says, and that's why in the Holy of Holies, we have, an, listen to this amazing imagery, you have the kruvim, the cherubs, and the Torah tells us that their that uh, wings are upward, but they're facing each other. Their face is facing each other, but their wings are upward, he says. That's the whole Torah. Because the whole Torah is, the wings upward, but facing each other, that's the hachta kamocha ani Hashem. Those beautiful, know what a beautiful imagery, right? And that's what, and then he said, and that's what Hillel was telling him. And he, he develops this a little bit more. And he says, therefore, the concept, the concept of Hillel was not simply love your neighbor like yourself. Love your neighbor like yourself. I am God. Believe in God. Understand that there is a whole realm of mitzvot that are between man and God. And those two together form the basis. That's a beautiful idea. The only problem with his answer is it's a little bit missing in the text. The text doesn't tell us the Ani Hashem part, meaning it's in the Torah, but it doesn't say that in the Gemara. The Gemara only tells us that he told him that what your friend hates, what you hate, don't do to your friend. So Rashi on the Gemara has something, an amazing idea. And it's this Rashi that I'd like to amplify and share with you and share with you two practical points. And hopefully with this will end the share. Rashi says, he has two, Rashi has two explanations. And now the next time you read this Pasuk, the next time you read this verse, I hope that it will, your, your, your whole way of looking at it will change. So Rashi first says, the Allah, the what talk about what you're, what you're um, what your um, friend doesn't like, what you don't like, don't do to your friend. Rashi said that means don't steal, don't uh, cheat, don't commit adultery. You know, most mitzvot can be fit into that category. That's really Rashi's second commentary. But Rashi's first commentary based on a verse in Mishlei, which we will not explain, <laughs> Rashi says, Rashi <laughs> Listen carefully. That the word Raya or reyacha actually refers to God. The ahavta l'reyacha kamocha doesn't mean doesn't mean your fellow Jew, but rather reyacha refers also to God. Love your love your means love God like yourself. Ani Hashem. I am Hashem. In other words, how does this phrase, "va'hafta to l'recha kamocha, how does this encompass both aspects of between man and man, and between man and God? Is because the word re'acha actually has a connotation, has a connotation of both God and man. And just like we saw... <coughs> just like we saw in Shira Shirim, God says to the Jewish people, you are my Raya. Pishili, Achosi, Raya, Tamasi. You are my Raya. You are my friend. So if you are my friend, that means that I'm your friend. That means I'm your friend. If you're my friend, I'm your friend. The word Raya is a bi-directional thing. You, I mean, you can have unrequited friendship, I guess. Right? But the point is, right, that if I'm your friend, you're my friend. So, So now listen carefully to this. This is very, very powerful. So Rav Hutner says, and i am only going to say this point quickly? Rav Hutner says, why does the Torah tell us in the beginning, do not hate your brother in your heart? Why does the Torah use the word brother? Our first question, why does the Torah use the word brother? And when it comes to love, he says, so he says, because when it comes to the concept of brotherhood, Comes, there are no, like, degrees of brotherhood. Either you're my brother, or you're not my brother. Right? Are you my biological brother or not? The word brother has a... So the Torah is saying, when it comes to hatred, then there's only one standard in Rav Hudner's formulation. Could I just uh, read it to you? Rav Hudner says, with regard this is by the way for those that want to see it inside that Rav Hutner gave a hespid a eulogy for Rav Chaim Shulevet, and it's in the volume known as his letters of Ksavim, and it's on page 87 Rav Hutner says uh, 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 um, the 87th article so he says Rav Huttner says that when it comes to hatred the Torah says because with regard to the hatred we're all the same Meaning that it's not a question of, oh, you know, you're only half my brother. You're my three-quarters brother. You're my half-brother. No, no, no. If you're my brother, I can't hate you, period. When it comes to, it comes to love, it's impossible to love everybody in this room the same. To the extent that you are my re'ah, commensurate to the, to the level that you are a friend of mine, Fre- there are better friends and worse friends. Friendship is not like a zero-sum game, either you are or you're not. Friendship is in levels. You know, we all have people, my best friend, my half-best friend, you're my second-best friend, you know, when you're in high school or even in elementary school, right? Oh, you're my, you know, you're not my best friend, but you're like, well, today you're my best friend, next week you are my to you know, all these different things, right? But, because friendship is, is a question of degree. HaKadosh Baruch Hu uses the, the term reya, the term friend. The term friend is used in the context of He's used in the context of love because to the extent that a person is a greater friend then there's a greater concept of love. And says, says Rav Huttner that the term used the term used for the Jewish people God uses the term ra'ayah friend for the Jewish people because Hakarish baruch this is the term, a famous idea in Chazal, because Kadosh Oraisa, and Yisrael are Chadu. Hashem, the Jewish people, and the Torah are one. They represent different pieces of a oneness. There is a unity, and that unity has pieces. And the word Rea, actually, and again, I can't go into this now, the word Rea, the word, when we blow the shofar on, on Rosh Hashanah, there's the, there's the, there's the blast known as the tekiah, that means a straight blast. And the Teruah is a broken blast. And the word Teruah has in it the word Rea, those words in the middle, because a friendship has a connotation of of pieces that come together. Shvarim is the is the blast that is, comes together. God, the Jewish people, and the Torah are all one. To the, but but that means that we're pieces of a oneness. So therefore, it says of Hutner that when I am a friend with when I, when I recognize in when I recognize in my friendship with somebody else or with God, I recognize a unity, a oneness. I cannot be without him. He cannot be without me. I recognize a basic oneness. That oneness is connoted by the concept of re'acha. Because re'acha is I'm not complete without you. I am broken without you. It's a broken call. It's a truah. I'm broken without you. I need you. You are critical for my reality to the extent that I am able to view a friend as being critical to my reality, then I will be able to love them more. Now, please follow along, because this is the main point we're about to say now. So we asked the question, the last the fifth question was, how could you love another Jew like yourself? That seems to be impossible. We also asked, what is Ani Hashem doing there? What is the Du Why is Aim Hashem doing there? We said it's like your third friend. And we asked the we asked the question, right, of why Re'acha versus Achicha. And Rav said this beautiful idea that Rehapal represents the concept of, of it not being equal levels, that there are different degrees, different degrees. Right? So now I want to share with you this. This Nakuda. And it's, and it's practical. It's not just esoteric, it's practical. How do you love another Jew like yourself? Mamish. Mamish like yourself. How do you do it? So you can say it in one of two ways. I'm just going to say it in one way. I had two ways, but it's not enough time. If I am able to look at another Jew and see within that other Jew the godliness, the ani hashem in that other Jew, if I'm able to see that and recognize and think about the idea that there's nobody in this room that doesn't have something unique and special, and even though it might be hard to figure out what that is sometimes. And some people really do a really good job of covering what's special. And therefore it's hard. And that's why the Rashbam says, somebody that's wicked, I don't have a mitzvah for the Rech and that's not for now. But if I recognize that your connection to me is really my opportunity to connect with God, because God put this person in my life, that person could be my child, that person could be my parent, that person could be my spouse, that person could be my friend. Because a spouse is also a friend. We say, The word rea is used in the context of marriage also, for sure. So if I look at that individual and I say, This person who's giving me such a hard time and, and all, you know, but this person is, my, is, is a part of a bigger picture, a rea being a piece of, of godliness. And if I connect with this individual, and I work hard to connect, there's somebody told me just today, who was married for about a year, maybe a little bit less than a year, he just had a kid yesterday, and he said to me, nobody ever told me Shalom Bais to be this hard. So I said, I said, they never tell you, right? They never tell, right? right? Because it's impossible to express the challenge of, it's impossible, because unless you're in the situation, right? And it doesn't mean it's not beautiful. So if I'm able to look at another person and say, my job in life with regard to this person is to connect to Hashem with this person and the way I connect to Hashem with this person is by bringing out that person's greatness then I am forging the ultimate bond between myself Hashem and that person then the 'ah, re'ah then that person who is my re'ah is really the nexus of connection between me and God. And I want to share with you a little story that my wife shared with me a few days ago, which really brings out this point in a magnificent way, and then we'll end the show. On time, maybe. So, this story appears in a book called People Speak Too, and uh, entitled Inseparable. Two friends, two friends, uh, young lady, right there, woman, not young lady, but she writes it when she going back. She was my best friend. At the nursery school through to high school, we were inseparable. teacher would assign us seats on different sides of the class. Our mothers would ask to have a seated together. We were diligent students. We started together. Even though I was a bit weaker, she would help me. Our friendship was a basic fact of life, source of wonder among our classmates. Not only did we get along together, but our friendship boosted our self-confidence. And you have a true friend whom you trust completely. You're calm, self-confident, etc. We never encounter the kind of jealousy that in, 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 it appears in other countries. Um, fine. Move on a little bit. And Gila, that's the name of the friend, Gila, Gila's older sister, was getting married. And the week after the wedding, her younger sister was having her basvitzel. Gila was full of enthusiasm about these happy events and her happiness was contagious and went shopping, her by decorations, etc., as these two events grew nearer, I realized I had not received an invitation to Becky's wedding. I assumed that the invitation had been lost in the mail, but as time passed, I noticed that Gila was avoiding the subject of the wedding. I asked a friend of ours to make discreet inquiries of whether I was invited. My friend was told quite clearly by Gila that she was not inviting any of her friends to her sister's <laughs> wedding, not even me. I couldn't believe it. I felt as though I received a blow. My mother saw that I was very upset and asked her what was wrong. Mom, I don't understand. Why isn't Gil inviting me to, to Becky's wedding? I invited her to our bar, bar mitzvah a few months ago and she came after she didn't invite me to her sister's wedding. My mother tried to calm me down assuring me that it was really wasn't necessary for Gil to invite me to her sister's wedding but I could see by her expression she too thought it was odd. In vain I waited in, hope that, in the hope that Gil would change her mind. I shall never forget the night of Becky's wedding. I sat at home crying bitter tears knowing that my best friend was dancing the night away and I was sitting at home. On the way to school the next day I tried to decide whether or not I would even talk to Gil undecided I entered her classroom my dilemma was solved because Gila was absent that day, and indeed for the following two days. Then I was at home for two days with a cold, and all the time I grappled with the question of whether to attend Gila's sister's bas mitzvah party. The day before the party, I saw Sarah, Gila's annual sister. Hi, Eti, the girl's name is. You're coming to the bas mitzvah. I couldn't believe the casual way as she spoke. As if I hadn't been, as if I hadn't been left out of Becky's wedding. As if I hadn't spent the whole night crying. Before I had a chance, I think the words just came out. No, I'm not. I'm not a good enough friend to be invited to a wedding. I don't think I need to come to the bas mitzvah. And make sure you pass on my answer word for word to Gila. The next day I saw Sarah and I asked her if she had related the message to Gila. Yes, I did. And what did she say? She didn't quite understand what you meant. With that quick response, Sarah went off. I went home and waited. I waited for Gila to come or call and asked me to come to the Batzvitzah party. The hours passed with me sitting next to the phone, but nothing happened. I went to my mother, mom, I feel awful. Tonight, Gila's sister is having her so. Aren't you going? No. But why? Because if I'm not good enough to be invited to a wedding, why should I go to a bas Oh, Auntie stopped making a mountain at a mall. Mommy, I can't, etc. Um, I burst into tears, but she doesn't know how I feel. I sent her a message with a little sister. She's still ignoring me, etc. Et Our friendship was over. She writes into the rabbi who's collecting the stories. All this happened 15 years ago. After high school got engaged, Needless to say, I didn't invite Gila to my wedding and she didn't invite me to hers. We went our separate ways and lost all contact. A few months ago, I gave birth to my fifth child, a beautiful baby girl. When I was discharged in Israel, they have this, it's from Israel. When I was discharged from the hospital, I went to a maternity convalescent home for a few days of rest alone with the baby before going home to my busy household. It's a very classic thing in Israel. I was shown to my room, arranged my things, fed the baby and then went to sleep. When I woke up, I saw that the second bed in the room was occupied by a woman who looked about my age. <coughs> I turned to wish her mazel toast. As I looked at her, I began to tremble, and I couldn't utter a sound. She was the first to speak. Etty, is that you? I still couldn't say a word. It must be you, Etty. Her tone of voice was friendly, and she laughed at the coincidence. I was unsure how to act. My initial thought was to ask the head nurse to move me to a different room. <laughs> Gila caused me so much pain, I really didn't want to have anything to do with her, especially now when I was so happy, excited, with my baby. At the issue, went on. Do you remember what good friends we were? Do you know, since we broke up, I've never had a son like you. You ruined my life, Gila. Those were the pictures out of my mouth. What? You hurt me. You ruined my trust in other people, in myself. You broke my heart. Look was talking because of your behavior. I didn't enjoy my sister's last sister party. I waited all evening for you to come. I couldn't believe that you would actually carry out your threat to boycott because you hadn't been invited to the wedding. I kept on looking. But I'm not the one who broke up our friendship. You're the one who didn't invite me to your sister's wedding. What's the connection? My parents are the ones who drew up the guest list and they decided to keep the number to a minimum. What did you expect me to do? Do you think I wasn't upset I couldn't invite you? But I was sure I would count on my best friend to be a little more understanding. But no, you made me feel even worse. Listen, Gil, let's say I was completely in the wrong that there's no real reason for me to be so angry. But if you know your best friend is hurt and angry, shouldn't you try to make peace? But Eti, you punished me by not coming back and forth. Mm -hmm. So, at the end of the whole thing, Uh, We spoke a lot about marriage, etc., etc. About the challenge of marriage. Um, How the husband helps out, etc. During the following week, Gila and I revived our friendship. We were so occupied with our new babies and with each other that we did not take too much notice of all the visitors who came to see us. Yet neither husband complained. It seemed they were quite pleased with the new development. As our stay drew to a close, Gila and I decided that we were going to remain good friends and would not let any misunderstanding, large or small, come between us again. Then we packed our belongings and our babies and went down to join our husbands in the lobby. While they were settling, in, settling the accounts in the office, the head nurse came over to us. Did you both enjoy your stay here? Yes, indeed, we answered in unison. You have no idea what a good time we had, Gila added. The woman said, You think I have no idea. You two have no idea how I had to rearrange everything so that you could be in the same room. (laughs) What do you mean? (coughs) She said, all the rooms were full. But your husband husband explained that it was very important to them that you two be put together in the same room. (laughs) They told me that they had first met in the waiting room of the maternity ward. They even offered to pay extra so I would accede to their request. Naturally, I didn't agree to that but I still managed to get you two together in the same room. I must admit, I don't understand why it was so vital that two good friends be together in the same room. Couldn't you have managed without each other for one week? (laughs) (laughs) What's the upshot of the story. The two husbands, who for the last 15 years had heard about the friend that they had divorced, right? The girls who had stopped being friends. I'd heard them fetching for the last 15 years. (laughs) And then they happened to be in the waiting room together, right? So they realized that their ta'hlis, their purpose, was to bring out in their wives that peace that was not yet settled. If you look at your spouse or your friend, and don't just listen to their problems, but see what am I able to bring out of their neshama? What can I bring to them? What can I? How can I elevate their life? What can I? How can I bring out the godliness, the simcha in their life? Then I am using my reya as being a way of connecting with Hashem. That's the union of Recha Kamocha and Hashem. The concept of I'm not simply looking at you as just a comfort for me or as a way to hang out. I'm looking at you as a connector to God. This Rabosai is a key aspect of connecting to Hashem. It's the, the it's the of Reya. It is Hashem, the way in which we can forge the bond between Bin Adam La and Adam and we should be as Hashem merit to be able to do that with our friends and with our children and with our parents and with our spouse. And as Hashem we ought to live a unified, holistic life. We should have a wonderful evening. Thank you for listening. See ya. So, yeah, if you um,